Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, Kim Hopkins here, standing in for Dr. Ross Green, along with my B-team parent leader, Jennifer Trethaway, and um, I'm not sure, hi, I'm not sure if Stella will be joining us today, she might be, so we'll keep an eye out for her. It's time for Parenting Your Challenging Child. We do this on the first Tuesday of each month, which is a change from last year when it was Mondays. And we do this September to May at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. On this program, we do our best to help you with your behaviorally challenging child, work to figure out what's really going on, and help you to do what's going to work. Our call-in number is 347-994-2981. And don't forget to press 1. How are you doing this morning, Jennifer? I'm doing well. I'm um walking around in the lobby of the Sheridan Four Points in Norwood. I'm actually watching Dr. Green walk away from me. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You're speaking to us from our New England School Mental Health Conference in Norwood. That's, this is day two of the two-day workshop. How has it been going? Yes. It has been going very well. It was, as a CPS parent, it was incredibly encouraging to watch that room full of educators and clinicians there absorbing all of that information to take back to their districts and their practices and it was it was very nice to see and there are a few parents here too so I've gotten to talk with them and it's been very nice. The The speakers have been excellent. The gentleman who's delivering the keynote this morning who has autism himself has it, listening to him was really amazing but uh i'm enjoying myself and everyone else seems to be too that's awesome that's fantastic i uh, wish i could have been there <laughs> we do have a caller i'm not sure if this is stella or not so let's see um here area code nine one. Hello, area code 917. You're on. I am not Stella, but I'm a huge fan. (laughs) I was at the conference with you guys, and I met you all there um, and uh, really appreciated hearing your stories. Um, It was very, very helpful to both my husband and myself. Um, Was this the uh, Portland Maine Summit? Yeah, the the summit, yes. Oh, excellent. Oh, great. Well, thanks for calling in. Yeah. Um, I have a question about expectations. And um, my, I, I listened to the podcast called Expectations, What to Do If They're Not Being Met. And I found that very helpful. Um, but I, I'm still having some problems because um, basically around things like language and screen time, I have been plan seeing that except for the fact that I've decided to state my expectation and just point out the fact that it's not being met. Um, 
my son's school, which they do follow um, the uh, CPS model, um, and they are the ones that introduced me to to the model. So um, it's a wonderful place. Um, but they they weren't that keen on that idea, and I'm just wondering your thoughts on that because that's what I took away from the episode was that you know. It's okay to have the expectations. It's okay to let your child know the expectations, but it might not be something you're working on right now. So what do you think? <laughs> well, yes, uh, it's definitely okay to have expectations. That's how you have influence with your child. Mm-hmm. So expectations are really important. And there could be multiple expectations that your child's having trouble meeting. So in that case, you can't work on everything all at once because there is no right. magic for that, right? And right. so um, that's when you need, a, you need a plan. And so you might have heard Dr. Green talk about plans A, B, and C and um, their pros and cons. Just for listeners, let's review that real quick. Um, <clears throat> plan A is where the adults make a unilateral decision, something like, this is how it's going to be, you're not going to do that, I said no, that kind of thing. Um, plan A is not having an expectation, though. Having an expectation is just that, having an expectation. You only need a plan when it's not being met. So mm-hmm. that would be plan A. Plan C would be letting it go for now, uh, which is not giving in. It's, it's prioritizing because you can't work on everything all at once. So some things will be plan C, um, so that you can focus on the couple of things that you have decided to work on with Plan B. Um, And Plan B is collaborative and proactive solutions, where you are um, using the three steps of the model to pursue the expectation that's not being met um, with your child collaboratively and proactively. So it sounds like screen time, and please correct me if I'm wrong, screen time, which is a really challenging unsolved problem, probably (laughs) one of the most challenging ones because of how alluring, right, and how (laughs) seductive they are, right? Um, Right. So it sounds like screen time has been something that you have an expectation. It isn't being met. And at this point, you're doing plan C with it because you're working on other things. Did I get you right? Well, kind of. I mean, I guess the language and screen time are, are two separate things because we have had a plan B conversation about screen time and not about language. The plan B that we had about screen time, um, the result of that was that my son decided for himself how much screen time he thought was reasonable, and I thought that it sounded okay, it would, was workable for me. And we wrote all this, we wrote mm-hmm. this all down and had an agreement. And he's pretty much been sticking to it, but then he occasionally will want to watch more. And I just remind him, well, you know, we had a conversation and that, that's the expectation in this house and you were the one that said it and, you know, and da, da, da. So, um, so I'm kind of, okay. I, I guess I'm not really, I, what I've done is we've had a plan B, but sometimes he tries to sneak around the back door. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha. Can, can gotcha. I ask how so old he is? We're gonna... He's eight. Okay. Right. Um, yeah. We're gonna let's let's set, set the language one aside for now because mm-hmm. I see that a little bit differently. But we'll get back to that. Um, so it sounds like you had a plan B around screen time. You came up with a solution that's worked some of the time, but not all of the time. And so mm-hmm. um, if you've got concerns about when the time that's not working, 
um, then it's time to go back to the model. And um, you know, something about our solution doesn't work some of the time. Um, I'm certainly curious to know how come sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and what the difference is. So, you know, Monday it seemed to work really well, and then Tuesday it didn't seem to work so well. What do you make of that? And it's mm -hmm. time to learn. Um, whatever you can find out that's going to position you to be helpful in situations, there's something to know there about why sometimes the solution works and sometimes it doesn't. And based on whatever you find out, you guys might end up doing a tweak to the solution based on the new information. Sure. Now, what, do you, what would you recommend, though, doing in the moment when the child has taken the remote control and, you know, started a new program? Uh, turning off the TV would be a plan A, I guess. That would be, and it could make it yep. worse. And, I mean, that option exists, but knowing that it could make it worse and um, could have an, a negative effect on the relationship. Plan C would be, sounds like maybe something close to what you're doing, which is um, – or actually, Plan C would be not saying anything about it at not all. Not saying anything, right? Um, yeah, and then and or I guess a hair like Plan C would be, um, oh, it looks like our solution isn't working. We'll have to get back to that, and then walking yeah, away. Yeah. Um, emergency Plan B would be, seems like our video solution isn't working now, bud. What's going on? Mm -hmm. You could certainly try that and see how far it gets you. The thing about emergency B is he's, he's kind of already, how we say, he's already kind of in the water. He's already um, headed downstream because he's already not abiding by the solution and therefore not abiding by the expectations. So um, right. emergency plan B tends to be super messy because mm -hmm. um, <laughs> he could already be feeling some kind of way. Um, you weren't planning to have this conversation, you know, and so – it's the skill teaching part of proactive plan B that's so important for durable solutions um, doesn't really happen much in emergency B, but it's certainly better than emergency A, and if it's not something you feel like you can plan C, then you've got emergency B. You know, seems like our solution's not working. What do you make of that, bud? I'm not mad at you. I'm just trying to figure this out. What's going on? Fill me in. But you would plan B it in the moment, but how – but so – so, again, how would you do such a thing if the TV is on and he's not able to even attend to what you're saying? Then I wouldn't try to be it in the moment. Yeah. I'm just sorry. Walk away. sorry. I, I, I would, I, because in that moment, if you try, chances are good that things are going to escalate. You know, if mm -hmm. he's not attending to you in that moment, if he's already move into it, then emergency plan B is probably not going to be successful and may end up pushing you toward plan A. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> and then that plan A makes everything. emergency plan B. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's a lot of people's experience with emergency plan B. Um, you know, I recently, somebody somebody told me that when they're in the moment, they'll look and they'll think, is this the hill I want to die on today? <laughs> Do I want to push this further? <laughs> um, and, you know, when it's eat your mashed potatoes, do I really want to die on mashed potato hill? Do you want to die on the hill of whatever that show is that he's watching? Because if things go south in that conversation, then you start leaning into that plan A graveyard. Um, better to maybe 
plan, see it in the moment, and then later on, that's when you want to revisit that plan B conversation. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's what I would do in my house because I very rarely want to die on that hill. <laughs> right. But it would be okay to remind him in the moment uh, that we had an agreement, it's not being met, and later on we're going to plan B it and then just walk away? Yes. I would, yeah, I, I think would so. And you're not going to be able to finish your yeah. homework and, and we're not going to be able to play chess, da, 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 because we are going to run out of time. Then that you're starting to move into plan, plan A. That's starting down yeah. the road of emergency. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is it okay to give a yeah. little bit of a, uh, uh, just an, a mild attempt at it and walk away? Or is that like, I mean, once you go into plan B, do you have to, I mean, I guess you can always walk away from a plan oh, B, right? Absolutely. Yes, you can. You can. You can, you can hey, you know, hey, bud, something about our solution doesn't seem to be working. What's going on? I'm not mad. You know, you're not in trouble. I'm just curious here. Mm-hmm. And you get mm-hmm. nothing or he starts to huff and puff or whatever, you can bail. And you could say, okay, yeah. we got to proactive be this, you know, tomorrow when he gets home from school or, or what, whenever it will, you know, first be able to happen. Right. Yeah. Um, and then you've, you've set the stage in that that may be a lot easier because then you've introduced the fact that you're going to talk about it. You know, we're going to let this, we're going to plan C this for right this minute, but we're going to plan B it again because something's not working. Right. Tomorrow or at bedtime or. Mm -hmm. And circling back to the question about the language. The reason why Mm -hmm. I separated out language and screen time, screen time um, or, you know, difficulty ending the video game after two hours, whatever it might be, um, is an unsolved problem. Bad language is not mm-hmm. an unsolved problem. Yeah. Bad language is behavior. Yeah. And so there's unsolved problems, it sounds like, farther upstream that are leading to the bad language, which is one way he lands in the water and floats downstream in his behavior. And so making sure using the alphabet that you're figuring out what are the unsolved problems that are setting the stage for the bad language that I'm hearing, and then we're working on those, you know, one or two at a time. That's the way to make progress with the language. Focusing on the language itself is focusing on behavior. Does that make sense? Yes, um, the uh, the main issue that I have with it, and I'm sure many people have this problem, is that, you know, it's one thing if it's in the home and we're up by ourselves, but, and he's not doing it at school, but it's if we're having a play date or we're, <laughs> we're out and it's just, <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I, especially, especially with play dates, it's like, well, you know, he wants to have play dates. And if he uses that language, I mean, it's a very hard conversation to have without talking about the behavior because sometimes the language will come up um, very, I mean, it's really um, almost impossible to identify what the problem was. He might just start saying stuff um, to get a rise. But you're getting close, um, though, because I heard you say yeah. play dates, right? So there's probably play dates. Maybe an example would be a play date with a particular kid on a recent day and whatever the oh. activity they were doing. <laughs> when it arose <laughs> it's not so much because the thing is is um he doesn't really get to have a lot of play dates because the school mm-hmm. that he goes to is not a community school it's and it's a special needs school with kids from all over 
um, the area. So we don't have a lot of kids yep. that are close. Um, so it's mm-hmm. not something it's not something that repeats itself a lot. I mean, we have, it's a very difficult thing for us to identify patterns because also my job is not, um, it does not have me on a regular schedule. So basically every week is different for the family and he's in two homes. So he goes to his father three days a week. So it's really um, identifying the, the actual cause of the, that behavior has been, we've done the up. And we have a huge list of unsolved problems, but like, I can't really identify where the language is coming from. And my concern about the playdates is that if he does swear in the playdates, those few kids that we do have the opportunity to play with won't be available because the parents are going to say, this isn't okay. Are they, when you're, you're talking about playdates, are they playdates with other kids from his school that you managed to arrange or, um, or very rarely kids that he's friends with in the neighborhood? Because I would say if it's kids from his school, you probably have to worry about it less. Yeah. <laughs> because my son is also at a school like that. And we were recently somewhere where there were many of them gathered and one of the kids let out a long list and nobody, not one parent even batted an eye right? Uh, because it's something that we're all dealing with. Um, yeah. If it's people in your neighborhood that he's managed to maintain a connection with, even though he is out of the district. Yeah, that's what it maybe, is. It's, it's kids in the building or, um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> then, then maybe that's, you know, maybe what you need to do is is sort of plan B with the parents mm-hmm. and say, this is something that we're working on. I know it's not optimal. Um, and it's, I'm concerned that you won't want your kid to play with him anymore. But please know that we're working on it. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of times I think that other people, if you're upfront with them, can be very can embrace that. Um, yeah. Which is, I just don't feel like we are working on it because I haven't identified which problems are leading to it. Well, to add to I mean, I know sometimes homework. Absolutely. Yeah. We can work on that. Yeah. But, but as you work on the different, different unsolved problems that you've got on the LSEP, the behaviors will start to solve themselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah. as as you can can work on the things that are unsolved problems, not behaviors, then the behaviors start to go away. Okay. So it may just and, and so even though you don't feel like you're working on it, you're working mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. Patience. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's long and it's and, hard. And just <laughs> Something to add to what Jennifer said I love uh, about kind of being proactive with the parents of the, of the child that there's a play date with and saying, you know, and I'm open to hearing, you know, if you notice him going down this road, if you can let me know, because if you're not going to be there to see it, if you could let me know what they were doing before it happened, because that will help me work on it with him. So if, mm-hmm. if they're playing trouble and he thinks he's losing and he and you know and then this whole thing starts with the behavior it would be really helpful for me to know that they were playing trouble and he was losing cuz then right. I can work on it with him i'm i'm unclear at this point you know what to work on with the play dates um 
we just don't have enough information. So, you know, it, going beyond there to say, let me know what they were doing because that's how I'm going to be able to work on it. Right. Okay. Yep. Great. Fantastic. Thank you so <laughs> Thank much you for guys. calling in. <laughs> Thank you. It's my you have first a great time. Day. It won't be the last. <laughs> okay. Okay. Thank well, you. Yes. From you again. Bye. All right. Thanks. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Now we had another caller, um, and we just maybe didn't get there fast enough. So please call back in because we'll give callers precedent over email. Um, but we will jump into an email while we're waiting. Um, okay. First email. Tonight, my child refused to brush her teeth. It took a lot of time for her to finally brush her teeth. That sounds familiar, huh? Oh, it does. Um, when she, yeah. When she did it, it was too late for a full story time. <coughs> Excuse me. So I said, I can read you one more page. She demanded five pages. I said, no. She demanded two pages. I said, okay. Then she demanded three. I said, only two tonight. She fought and fought for three pages. I said two or none, and of course, it turned into a screaming, fighting episode. What should I do in these types of episodes? I know I should have gotten her to bed earlier, but our lives are so busy and packed. Sometimes it is impossible to get her to bed at the perfect time. What should we do? You want to take this first? I <laughs> the other one first. We'll split it up. Sure. Sure. Well, um, first off, mom of the non-toothbrusher, know that you are not alone there at all. In fact, while we were at the summit, I got a phone call from my mother saying, um, your son is telling me he doesn't have to brush his teeth. How do I make him? And I was with a whole bunch of other B-team parents, and we all burst out laughing. So, well, you can't make him. <laughs> you, you can try, but it's going to get really ugly. Um, so you're not alone in that. <sighs> Again, it becomes the question of, is this the hill that I want to die on? Is, is this story time tonight where I want to take a stand with my child? Do I feel like this is important enough to plan A? Um, and in negotiating it, that's not, a lot of times people think that plan B is a negotiation. And I don't see it that way. In a negotiation, everyone gives something up. In a, a positive plan B solution, everybody's concerns are met. So in that situation, if she brushed her teeth, your concerns were met, but her story time was not. Uh, that was her concern. Um, and in that moment, I think probably in the end, it took more time to go through all of that than it would have to just read five pages of the story. Um, and in the end, everybody probably would have gone to bed a little happier. Um, very rarely is it worth taking a stand. It's always better to try and collaborate. In that moment, you say, well, tonight was really hard, and 
let's talk about this tomorrow so that we can figure out a way that your teeth get brushed, your story gets read, and you get to bed on time. And try that conversation when everybody isn't feeling quite so unhappy. And it will probably go a lot better. That would be my I thought. like that very much. Yeah, I like that very much. You know, in, in the heat of the moment, you know, things are tough. Thing, you know, uh, emotions in the mix, time constraints are in the mix, and that doesn't make anyone at our best. It's often not going to go very well. Um, so I, I love what you said about that. And, you know, and what it would sound like tomorrow, the next day, or whenever you can, you can proactively address, because um, it sounded like it started off with difficulty brushing teeth. So, um, you know, hey, I noticed that um, the other night you had difficulty brushing your teeth before bed. What's going on? And so learning what you can about what's hard for her when she's asked to brush her teeth um, mm -hmm. will help position you to help her figure out um, a solution that can work to meet the other sets of concerns. Um, and when you do put your concerns on the table, um, the, the trap that some adults can fall into in step two is they repeat the expectation. Well, the thing is you need to brush your teeth. And that is actually slipping into plan A. When you put your concerns on the table, you want them to be in the form of a concern or a worry. So thinking about what are you worried about, uh, about this unsolved problem? Well, you might say something like, my worry is that um, clean teeth are important for good health. Um, if your teeth aren't clean, we might have to go to the dentist a lot. Dentists are expensive um, mm -hmm. and unpleasant, you know. Yeah. So something along It's going to hurt lines. if you have yeah. to get fillings. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. And you can also <laughs> throw in, I want to make sure we have enough time for stories because you seem to like the stories. And getting enough sleep is also good for your health. So, you know, sticking with your worries as opposed to repeating the expectations. Um, but, of course, right. first hearing from her and seeking to understand what's tough about brushing her teeth, you know. Right. Because, um, because everything that okay. happened with the story time was the plan A fallout from saying, yes, you have to brush your teeth and now you, haven't, now you don't have enough time for story time. So that's right. plan A fallout. Right. And it, <laughs> yes, exactly. So best to work as far upstream. <laughs> possible about what started everything in motion. Yes. Right. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. No callers at the moment, so we'll dive into another email. We have plenty of those. Um, <laughs> I've been combing the net trying to diagnose my 11-year-old daughter's emotional meltdowns, attitude problem, and defiant to instruction type problems. I work in the mental health field, entry level, and after doing my research, I had just about diagnosed her with oppositional defiant disorder. I stumbled <laughs> across your website and took the walking tour. What an eye-opener. I never realized that my daughter may have problem-solving deficits. I've only been concentrating on the behaviors. Now that I understand this new perspective, I know I can approach it differently. I feel this may become the hardest task I've ever done as a parent. I now know this comes the hardest part of determining the root of the problem. My question is regarding her emotional short fuse. She cries over just about anything, exhibits anxiety symptoms, and says she hates everyone at school. 
I sat her down to ask questions and talk about the new school year, and she told me her mind just wanders, and she can't pay attention to the teacher and doesn't like anyone there. My question, which issue should I address first? How can I maximize results with your program in my situation? I would like some advice on where to start if possible. <sighs> so I'm, I'm happy that you found us. Um, that is fantastic and that the walking tour was really helpful in helping you to understand the collaborative and proactive solutions model and what our lenses are and how we think about kids who are having difficulty. Um, it sounds like you've made that shift to focus on problems and not behavior, which is a hard shift to make, so that's fantastic. Um, the emotional short fuse, the crying, the anxiety, saying she hates everyone, um, those are all seemingly ways that she falls in the water and does her behavior thing. And so um, it sounds like you have started to collect uh, some unsolved problems, we would call them, that happened before the crying or the anxiety or the I hate everyone, um, which is what you need to do to make a solid plan. And we do that by using the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems to figure out why she's challenging and when she's challenging. And once you have that done, you can have um, a plan as far as you're not going to be able to work on everything all at once, but what are the big fish? What are the one of the two at a time that kind of rise to the top that either happen the most frequently or maybe they lead to the most unsafe behavior or maybe they would just make the biggest difference in her life? Um, it sounds like she probably has some unsolved problems at home and at school. Um, you yourself will be able to, your best position to work on the home ones because you have firsthand knowledge of those. Um, it doesn't mean that you can't get anything done with the school ones, but you'll certainly need some, um, usually some adult input from the school. Um, and, and sort of just dive in, just pick one to go with. Um, and keeping in mind, you're not working on everything all at once and use plan C for the things that you're not working on, whether you're just not going to bring them up or you're going to have some sort of agreed-upon interim plan, um, you know, that's just sort of a Band-Aid while you're keeping, you know, keeping things calm to focus on the one or two things you have picked on. Um, what would you like to add to that, Jennifer? Well, I first off, I, I would love to say that I'm glad you've embraced something other than a diagnosis of oppositional defiant disorder. Um, on the B team, we often refer to it as a lazy diagnosis because it describes the behaviors and doesn't do anything to address what's causing them. Um, so it's, it's a tough diagnosis and we smile and nod and say, okay, fine, you can label my child that and move on mentally. Um, and I would say, what Kim said, yeah, you know, just, just jump in. Whatever feels most important to you um, is, would be where to start. And I would put in a plug for our Facebook group. Uh, we have a very, very, very active parent group on Facebook, and there are a lot of people in it who are very well-versed in the model and who are always willing to help you figure out how to frame your Plan B conversation, 
help you figure out if you're, you're trying to decide, should I do this or should I do this? Can ask you some questions to more specifically guide you. Uh, and anybody who wants to join up with us uh, and who is interested in learning more and practicing CPS, we would love to have you join us and would love to be able to help you however we can in a specific moment. Absolutely. And I, the word specific is what I just wanted to touch back on is um, finding a place to start uh, and using that alphabet to get there. The key to that alphabet, it is not the lagging skills. Those are just the springboards to help help come to mind examples of when your child is having experiencing unsolved problems. The wording of those unsolved problems is so important because it might be tempting to clump and say, you know, you have difficulty at school. That is a very clumped unsolved problem, and that would require um, splitting it up and breaking it down and getting specific so that she has a chance to give you the kind of information you're asking her. So um, whether you split up by subject or by task or by interaction with teacher or with peers, um, you're going to want to make sure that you get highly specific, unclumped, unsolved problems that are behavior-free and theory-free and kid-friendly language so that she has a chance of reflecting on what you're asking her. And it does sound like she could have um, you know, a, a, a fair amount of unsolved problems, so you just want to make sure that they're not all clumped together because you'll make better progress if they're not. If you have a, a clumped unsolved problem, you're much more likely to end up with an I don't know because if you've got four problems all clumped together and you're asking your kid what's up, they don't know what to respond to. So they really don't know how to answer you. So when they say, I don't know, they really mean it. Uh, one of the things that I learned from Dr. Green, listening to Dr. Green at the summit last year was that when he talks about being specific, he really means specific, not you seem to be you know, having difficulty in math class. You seemed to be having difficulty in math class yesterday when it was time to take out your book because the, what was causing the difficulty yesterday might be the same thing as what was causing the difficulty two days ago, but it might not be. And the more specific you can be, the more apt you are to get good information back from your kid in that conversation. Definitely. He does really mean specific. <laughs> and that can feel tedious <laughs> to us as adults, but yet, you know, it'll take longer if we're not specific. So, um, right. yeah, so it's important to get specific. Split up front. You can hopefully clump later. Um, yeah, so, so do that, that hard work up front. And speaking of I don't know, that's kind of the theme of our next email here. Um, I've been learning a lot about CPS and have been so grateful to read the material from your website and from The Explosive Child. The approach makes so much sense to me, and my husband and I are beginning to work on Plan B. Our challenge here at the very beginning is figuring out how to implement the empathy step our son is almost seven, a delightful, smart, funny, challenging child with an ASD diagnosis. He can lash out and become aggressive quite quickly. 
and we are often at a loss to figure out what's going on and which skills he might be feeling the lack of in that moment. We really believe in having his perspective guide our understanding of what's going on and what the problem is. The difficulty is that any kind of what's up question from us about a certain problem we'd like to target gets an I don't know response. He is verbal, just not very adept at naming his own feelings or describing what's going on for him internally. So drilling doesn't really get us any more than a variation on I don't know. We would love suggestions. How have you and other families gotten past that kind of stumbling block? Uh, and in my have head, an experience I'm thinking with I don't about. Know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had lots of experience with I don't know. Um, and the first thing that I would say is you need to be really specific. If you're clumping your problems, then you're much more likely to get an I don't know. Getting your kid to sit down and talk with you might be difficult. Uh, some of the best conversations I've had with my son, he's been on his little mini trampoline at the time, so he doesn't have to look at me. He, doesn't, he can concentrate on what he's doing, and that frees up his brain to be able to talk to me. Uh, sometimes we have plan B conversations when he's in his bed with all of his blankets and his stuffed animals squashed up on top of him, and in those moments, we often try the five-finger method, which is what I was laughing at because there's another podcast, and I believe it's entitled Give Your Kid the Fingers. And yes, it is. it's about the five-finger <laughs> method, um, which we've had great success with, where you have your kid, you make a guess as to what the problem is, and they hold up one to five fingers depending on, you know, one, that's not the problem at all, two, that's a little bit the problem, three, that's kind of the problem, four, that's mostly the problem, and five, yes, absolutely, that's it. Uh, and if that's too hard, you know, try a thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, if they can't distinguish between the different nuances of one to five, um, and that has given us a lot of success, especially when we were first starting out, because a lot of kids don't trust the method in the beginning. They're so used to being you know, faced with plan A that they just don't believe they're not in trouble. They don't believe you're going to listen to them. They just don't believe it. So if you know, just reinforcing that, we're doing something different, you're not in trouble. I want to figure out what's going on with you. And we don't use the phrase what's up in our house either because that seems to set him off. So we'll use, you know, let's talk about what was going on or something like that um, just because he responds better to that than to what's up. So figure out what works best for him, where, he, where he's best off being? Is it in the car while you're driving somewhere so that you're concentrating on the road? He doesn't have to feel like your focus is on him. Any of those things, figure out what feels best to him. Unclump your problems. Try five-finger method if you're not getting anywhere would be my suggestion. Picking up on... Thank you. And picking up on what you said about kids um, not trusting, 
you know, I really, and I say this a lot when I'm coaching schools as well, um, we're, we're fighting against a plan A hill. Um, you know, <laughs> even as young as seven, you know, the, the child has had opportunities to get plan A, and not, not necessarily from the parents, but, but most likely if you just found CPS, and that's how we're taught to parent, right, but also from school and other adults. And it has kind of left this hill. It's really more of a mountain, <laughs> even at that young age. Um, and we've, we've really got to do a lot of work to uh, reassure them that we're, doing, we're thinking about them differently and we're trying something different. Um, they actually just had uh, an interesting thing happen, I don't know if it was last week or the week before, with my daughter, who's seven. Um, I'm very fortunate in that my daughter has the skills to do school well. Her unsolved problems are mainly at home. Um, my son's a different story, but that's for another show. Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, my daughter, who loves school, came home one day and said, I don't want to go to school tomorrow. I almost fell huh. on the floor. So I asked her what was going on, and she said, um, my teacher said, that we can't have recess tomorrow because we weren't listening during the foundations exercise on the rug. And I said, oh, okay. Um, <laughs> and so um, I was able to get her to go by letting her know I would talk with the teacher to learn more and, and tell her what we're worried about and everything and, and you know, that I, I couldn't make the change in recess for the next day because I couldn't. Um, but can we just, like, kind of get through tomorrow and then give me a chance to talk with the teacher? And she reluctantly agreed but went. And um, I sent a note to the teacher, and I explained that, and she doesn't know what I do for a living because, you know, it's only early November. I don't shove this down people's throats, right? Uh, but I would like to see this in my own. <laughs> um, and say, you know, and said, there was an, I know that you probably, you know, didn't know what else to do. You you have to you have a schedule to keep track of. You've got to, you know, you've got to get certain things taught in a certain time, and you know, you've got to manage your classroom. I get all of that. The unintended consequence of using this strategy was now my kid who loves school is refusing, and she said things like, "I didn't know teachers could be so mean." Um, so the trust is eroding. So that was one shot of Plan A that. Um, she doesn't get much of, you know. She she doesn't require it at school and at home. I try to be on my game. No, I'm not saying I always am. It's certainly harder for me at home than it is at work. <laughs> um, and so, you know, so that was one shot, like eroded that relationship in front of my eyes. And I explained that to the teacher that she became unpredictable to her. She's not sure what to expect from you. She doesn't know if she can trust you. She doesn't know if she can talk to you. And the teacher felt awful, of course, and said, you know, can I talk with her about it? Can I let her know that um, I was really kind of grasping at straws during that lesson and I don't want to take away recess and I don't, I want her to feel comfortable at school and I want to tell her that, you know, she can talk to me if she feels like I've made a mistake. And she, the teacher did a great job um, to kind of round out the story. Aww. But that... That plan A, it, that, it is a mountain for kids who have gotten plan A over and over again. It leaves, it leaves a mark. It really does. And so, um, you know, certainly there could be language issues and other issues at work here. I just don't discount that um, just because you've shifted your lenses, your kid is right there with you. You know, there's going to be some time um, to, to create that trust and establish that this is something different. And it's going to probably take a so. lot longer than you feel like it should. <laughs> yeah. 
but <laughs> but you do get that's there. A very good point. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, so yeah, that's like the first place I go is what's what's the kid's comfort level, what's the kid's trust level, and after I've worked on that a lot, um, then I'm looking at you know I'm the partner here. You know I might need to um, you know make some guesses like you mentioned with the five. Um, and of course, made sure that this is proactive and that um, the unsolved problem is highly specific so the kid actually knows what I'm talking about. Um, awesome. Well, I think that about wraps us up for today. Um, this Great. was fantastic. It was so nice to have a caller <laughs> for the first time in this school year. That was great. Yeah. Um, Thank you. I appreciate Jennifer, your input. Thanks to all who participated. We'll be back next month with another episode. Bye.